What's up, guys? Mitch from RespectMyRegion.com here with another episode of the North American Weed Tour podcast, episode 62. Today we have special guest Elliot Lewis, CEO of Catalyst Cannabis Co. in Southern California. How are you doing today, Elliot? Really good. Thanks for having me on. Always appreciate uh, you know being able to get the message out and uh, say a few things. So I want to appreciate you uh, say thanks for just having me on and taking the time. 100%, man. I've, I've been putting on, I've talked about you on this podcast. I've actually shared, I think, your LinkedIn profile with guests on this podcast. Um, when the when a certain topics and conversations come up that, you know, people that follow you are familiar that, that, that you speak on. Um, so I'm super excited to have you. I know I met you briefly at Hall of Flowers in person and, and, and paid my respects, man. Big fan of of what you're doing business-wise, but also just continually pressing the line of, of putting education out there and putting pressure on the on the system to get better. No, I appreciate that. I mean, look, my obviously we got shareholders, we got to make some money, um, but my real passion is the advocacy. Um, and, you know, it wasn't like a plan going in, but then you just kind of see things and we just started inching our way along. And then we were like, I just was like, fuck it. I just got louder and louder. So it, it you know, you would have said two and a half years ago, I'd be talking this much shit to the political class. I'd have been like, nah, <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> It's, it's, it comes from experience. I, I love that, man. So when, when did your history around the plant, around cannabis kind of start? Well, you know, the, I went to Berkeley. Uh, I graduated high school in 96. So it was like the very first time I could fucking vote. I was like super pumped up, big fucking weed smoker back then. Uh, and, uh, you know, we voted for night the Prop 215 and it passed. And, you know, Berkeley and Oakland was like one of the first places that you could uh, actually get a doctor's recommendation. There was like one doctor, he had this really cleverly written thing. It's 150 bucks. That's like 96 money too. Right. So it's mm. probably 300 bucks today. Um, so we, I got one of those, which made me kind of cool, you know, having the little card. There wasn't a lot of people you had to know somebody kind of, and then, um, so they had a Berkeley patients group, the Oakland, uh, collective. And then, you know, we did, I think in 98, we started doing these little three light grows, right. And I, you know, sold a little weed and shit. And back then, like there wasn't like all these strains and all, you know, how to fucking re-educate myself. You know, there was just like cess or brickweed from Mexico and then like the kind or the chronic. A lot of it came from Canada, and other parts of, you know, the Emerald Triangle. Uh, so, you know, we did a little of that. We did a little bit of growing, but nothing like serious. I think three lights was our, you know, crowning achievement with, you know, we did a three. We got three pounds. Uh, I think we smoked one uh, and then, you know, sold two. They're like four grand a piece back then, but I don't really count all that, uh, but it was fun. And then, you know, I kind of went on some travels, fucked around, got into real estate. Then I started dipping back in, in like 2013, um, guys that I went to school with, they just kept fucking going. Right. Um, and by now I had had family and, and uh, you know, had some ups and downs, uh, but you know, we had some decent success in, in, in real estate and I was like, all right, you know, I was a little reluctant at first. So I was like, fuck it, let's do it. Uh, so, you know, it's getting more legal. We started doing, 215 grows indoor, like in LA and Compton mostly. Um, and then I got introduced to some more people. So we started doing these big hoop house grows up in like 15, 16. And it wasn't like clearly legal or what you were kind of watching out, but you had your scripts. And then, you know, when I really, so we did pretty good on those. It was fun. It was the olden days, no fucking metric, none of this fucking shit. <laughs> you got, got a, a duffel bag for weed uh the day you harvested right uh you know you're, you trimmed it and you fucking paid your trimmers with the thing right so then in 2016 
I was just kind of involved enough and I had been, we, we applied for a license in Berkeley. I like did all this work on it just to try to get 5% to try to get in the game. So my ear antennas were up just enough and it came to Long Beach in 2016. That's my fucking hometown. I'm like, I'm gonna figure out how to get one of these. So, you know, long story short, we ended up getting six of them. And then I was like, wow, this is kind of fucking fun. Uh, like my, my head kind of exploded and then we were able just to kind of recreate what we did here in Long Beach and went in other cities and, and, and keep expanding. And then, you know, from there we, we went out on our own because I didn't know how to run a resale store. You know, we had uh, connected who I have a great relationship with today. Uh, you know, they were running them and then uh, there was an interim guy and then, then we ended up running them. Then we, you know, Catalyst itself is only about a year and a half old. So that's kind of like the, the brief history. Now we have nine open stores, but you know, the really impressive thing is we have 18. We won't get them all open this year uh, or 22. Right. Uh, but you know, we'll get most of them. There's always some weird shit that happens. One of them gets snagged. Your fucking landlord's a dick, but you know, we're on our way to, by the end of next year, 25 licenses. So what I'm really proud of, uh, among a lot of things, but is, you know, we'll be the third largest retailer in the state by end of February, March. And we did it for like five cents on the dollar, everybody else. Mm. So we didn't buy them. We went out there and fucking won them. We got our knuckles bloody. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're real good strategically. And, and then, you know, our ops side and kind of, you know, uh, we built around what really was our core competency, which was, you know, winning the licenses. Now we're able to put the whole package together. And finally, we got a tiny tranche of money. I've actually been working on another little tranche today. Uh, but we mod this shit, did it all organically. You know, I'm not really popular with the banker class. I'm getting more popular, but uh, <laughs> originally they looked at me and they're like, fuck this guy. Right. So I was like, oh, for 20 getting institutional money. So a lot of my real estate guys put 100, 200. We just grinded our way up and we were building one at a time. Now we got some money. We put the foot on the gas. So, you know, we're going to go from five to 10, you know, basically in August to the end of the year, we built out five stores uh, and we should have, you know, another five first part of the next year. So we're in this hyper growth phase. And all these bankers that thought we had a stupid business model are starting to think like, wow, this is actually a good model. And all these fancy fucking pro formas, you know, suits, you know, I won't name off specific ones, amendment, but, you know, they fucking crashed and burned. And meanwhile, we're just quietly, uh, you know, working our way, uh, you know, through it. So building the business is nice, but and I don't say this to be, you know, fake. Like my real passion is the advocacy and, you know, the community outreach and, you know, taking care of our workers and, and all that stuff. And, you know, you introduced me as the CEO. I've used this line a lot, but I really believe it. Like, I'm just the first motherfucker here. Like, I'm not naturally a CEO. Um, you know, I have certain skill sets, um, but I'm learning this job too. Uh, you know, I, they don't, it doesn't come with no fucking handbook or anything like that. So it's been fun. I couldn't imagine anything else, any other time in the history of the world. What the fuck would you rather be doing right now? Cannabis in California. Um, you know, it has its, obviously its battles, but this is just the best time to be alive. And like, I don't consider this shit work. This is like what I do for fun. So just a little brief kind of uh, description. Didn't want to bloviate too much. Just give you a little background about kind of how we got here. Yeah, no, it's 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 quite amazing what you've been able to accomplish. And, you know, you said, I think you said Catalyst is, as a brand has really only been around, you said like a year and a half. I, yeah, if that, I think, you know, we, so... Uh, the, 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 <laughs> the connected story is funny because, you know, we were kind of wanting to do our own thing and, you know, we were licensing their name uh, and they're like, bro, everybody's fucking like the vendors really like us. The customers like us. But, you know, we're not that popular with the fellow retailers, uh, mm -hmm. you know, because 
had a lot of fights, winning licenses, and you know we price super aggressively. That's our weed for the people philosophy. Keep our overhead low. We don't really fucking market right. So uh, you know we're pissing people off, and they're like, dude, like every time we go to sell weed in Long Beach, we got to hear about our stores, <laughs> but the really your stores are just licensing our name. And I'm like, yo, Caleb, you know I love you, dog. Like that's your baby. I don't want to fuck your shit up. You know we've been wanting to do our own thing. So we had a real amicable, you know, split on the the naming thing. Um, we had always owned the stores, right? Uh, but we were using the connected name, and then we were like, "Fuck it!" So we came up with Catalyst because that mean, meant change. Mm. And then, you know, when we were redoing them, uh, you know, they they you know uh, they grow the best weed in in the game or top, you know, whatever five uh, connected. So their hashtag was Designer Weed. And when they started like rebranding the stores, they're like, "Oh, dude, we got to take down the hashtag." And I was like, fuck it, let's call that shit weed for the people. That fits us mm. a little better, right? And so that was just kind of a flip comment. Um, I, it really turned out, I think, to be a good motto of, of, of who we are um, and what we're trying to do. And it's kind of like its own little a movement. And we just reimagined the brand around who we are, right? And just trying to keep it real. And, and like, you know, uh, I told this story for the first time at the Hall of Flowers. So it's, it, it's a funny one. You know, when we opened our first store on... Uh, second street they asked me about branding and i was like i don't know fucking shit about branding the only thing i do know is like try to be authentic so we opened our first store on second street and it was a connected and i love caleb to death like this is i didn't take this the wrong way uh really cool guys been super generous even moving up in some areas they're in he's fucking opened the door with open arms but you know i'm like oh shit i'm gonna get some press now we're opening a store on second street you know i showed up looking how i look and he's like bro he looked fucking half homeless like no more out front for you right so uh you know and i'm like cool i get it you know whatever i'm good with that but then i think it's just kind of funny we've basically built the brand i don't know if it was like intentionally or well thought out around that gritty street fighter not fancy fucking you know hard-hitting bloody knuckle uh you know things so i think some of the appeal that we have is now some of the things that you know maybe other brands would think like mm, you know, I'm more into the lifestyle or the, you know, the higher ed thing. So we're just, you know, just keeping it authentic is, you know, kind of how it happened. But we're picking up a little steam. You know, we make some noise. But I do think people are gravitating towards uh, our messaging. You know, not, we're not fucking greedy. I never took a salary out of this company. Got low corporate overhead. We don't do anything fancy. They see us out there taking care of our community. I'm out there my fucking self. My wife's out there. I drag my fucking kids out there. Um, and just being really sincere and, you know, fighting for issues. And that's kind of been, I don't want to say it was intentional. Like, yeah, everything you kind of know isn't done in a vacuum, but that's been uh, what we built the brand around basically. Right. And that's, and it's super interesting you say that because like when I think of the catalyst brand in terms of like going to your guys' stores, the imagery, the logos, the way it's designed, it's super clean, right? Like it looks great. It's clean, super professional. But I love that because like the attitude, which seems to be transparent, like you said, in the way you present yourself in, in both speaking, dress or whatever, which might not fit the corporate mold for some of these, you know, jerk offs at some other spots. But it adds like a, a clean retail experience, but it adds some authenticity and realness and like culture mixed with the clean thing. So I think there's something for everyone there. And, and I think, you know, whether it was intentional or not, you're definitely onto something. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I think some of it is just kind of happens like without too much forethought. You know, none of the stuff that we designed, none of these are marketing people. Like this is just people like, you know, we started out as, you know, basically two, me, Damien and my brother, three. Then we hired two, Noah, Blake, and Natasha. They basically, you know, they, they don't have huge marketing, but they made it. And we're like, okay, that looks cool. So nothing's really been 
you know, done up. Obviously, we want to build the stores nice. We don't get too crazy with them, but nice so people come in, they feel safe. Um, and, you know, it's important for us for the, the aesthetic to look nice. We've really started to get a little more artistic with the last few we built and get like local artists and do murals. But we definitely want, you know, people to feel like, oh, this is a cool legal uh, place to uh, uh, to buy cannabis. But, you know, we literally still have no marketing department. It's like a guy I knew from back in the day from Long Beach uh, snapping photos. and I talk shit. We barely dabble in weed maps. We send out a few text blasts. We don't have a marketing department. So like that way, we're super fucking uh, unique. Like and because we don't spend money on marketing, you know, we just pass that on to the consumer. And word of mouth seems to be a powerful tool so far in the industry. So we might build them a little slower, but we get the loyalty and people coming back and especially the heavy consumers, you know, you're a heavy consumer. We fucking saving you a couple hundred bucks a month. Um, you know, that's something that they, I think, appreciate. And we got our fucking menus, man. It's amazing. We, everybody, you know, we got everybody you could think of under the sun. Yeah. And that, and that's something that's definitely a point worth noting because, you know, price clearly moves volume in this industry, no matter what state you're in, you know, the, the low price, it, the low cost is what drives. But when companies get caught up in the race to the bottom, it's dang, you know, back in the day, we call it fucking the game up when you go, when you go the right, wrong way. But when you, what you're saying is like cutting down operational costs, so you're able to pass those savings on to the consumer is a much different strategy than like intentionally trying to go head to head with companies knowing they can't compete. And I, and I think that's great because that's the, the biggest issue in legal cannabis, especially in California is the cost of, I mean, the cost of a quality eighth in California is fucking outrageous, mainly due to the taxes. Right. And, and I think that's also something that's keeping the black market thriving down there. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, you know, part of the reason we're suing the state and stuff is like, they're never going to enforce their way out of this. And like, at some point they're going to lower the taxes. I don't know if it's going to be one year, two years, five years, 10 years. You know, we don't have the powerhouse lobbyists that oil has and the prison guards and the SEIU. I could go through them all right. And the special interests that control it. So they just see our fucking ass as a, as a piggy bank. And every once in a while, my own fucking friends are like, Oh yeah. Buy from, you know, someone, I know all the people still slinging weed out here. And, uh, they're like, ah, you fucking jacking over there. And I'm like, bro, when I was in the fucking, you know, BM, I was, and the margins were way better, right? So like, you come in and look, and you know, we bring partners in, we have some social equity partners, and I'm showing them like, no, 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 look, look, look where it goes. They're like, fuck, it's a lot of taxes. So I think sometimes people don't realize like, you know, a $60 eighth would be a fucking $35 eighth, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, the, it's the, the taxes are driving the price and you know, our, our margins are small. And I said this to, you know, any, uh, competitor, like we got a fucking really big secret and it's just low corporate overhead. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you lower your corporate overhead, you can fucking price with us. Right. But you don't want to do that because y'all want to fucking floss and, you know, be fancy or you think you're entitled to whatever. And we built our shit organically. We're all kind of playing the long game. Everybody's got a little equity in it. And, you know, maybe at some point we'll be able to, you know, do a little more on, on, on the pay side, but of any company, but our workers at the stores, all collective bargaining agreement, uh, union employees, they're, we're, they're making more than anybody. So not only do we have the highest paid workers, we have the lowest priced uh, product. And we did that by sacrificing, uh, you know, up here. So like, it's not just me, right? Uh, you know, everybody up here, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, internally grateful that, you know, they're fucking, there's like six, seven people in a 15 person office is still here at 730, um, you know, at night. So, you know, a lot of hard people working 
extra hours for little pay, knowing that, hey, we're building it right now. Let's not, you know, take all the money out of it. To the point of fucking up the game, it's been said. We fucking up the game a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's a valuable thing to try to put money back in the pocket of the uh, the consumers. Mm -hmm. I know it bothers some of the other uh, retailers, but, uh, you know, it's, it is what it is. Um, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, if they were able to uh, reduce corporate overhead, they could probably do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? You look at the salary of any of these companies, startups, cannabis companies, whatever, you, you look at the executive leadership salaries, you know, it's 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 no surprise where the bulk of that funding goes, especially you look at some of these guys that are raising, you know, large money and running the PR on their raises. If you look at where a lot of that money's going, it's, it's staying at the top and there's not a lot of trickle down economics. Um, but I mean, for you guys to have nine locations and still keep corporate overhead low, and that's the main driver of low prices, that's not fucking up the game, right? Someone might feel like that, but that's truly not. Cause like you said, you're being very transparent. This is how I'm doing it. Do the fucking same, like do the you same do thing. It, yeah, you can do it. Anybody can do it. And it, like, you know, and I think at this point though, also the vendors appreciate it. Um, and they see we're passing it on. Right. So like, maybe I get a little better hook now on the way in. Right. I could get a little, and I, you know, we don't want to lean on them in, a, in the wrong way, but you know, there's something to grow in the footprint too. You get the purchasing power um, that that is also, um, you know, a helpful part of it. And they, hey, these fucking guys pay their bills, they're moving volume, and it's good relationship. And they don't have to have some sales team fucking running all over the place. You drop, boom, boom, boom. You come pick up your money in two weeks. It's a, you know, it's a pretty easy uh, system for them. So you know. We, got, we try to keep the love with the vendors, um, you know, same thing with the customers. You know, we try to keep some alliances with fellow retailers, even ones we're having competition with. So we're going into new cities. We're figuring out, let's stay away from each other. Let's not too, talk too much shit about each other. Um, and, you know, we've got these, you know, differently kind of formed alliances. But, you know, definitely the fellow retailers for on some of the issues we've been outspoken on, you know, especially social equity here in Long Beach in theory, diluting the uh, license pool for everybody and, and different things have also, you know, caused a little headwinds. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, if I have the customers and the vendors happy, we're doing good. Yeah, absolutely. And so on, on the point of like, you know, taxes, I know you said you, 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 you believe that the government will lower the taxes over the next couple of years. What do you think is an ideal tax rate for cannabis? I know that's kind of a difficult question or it might not be. <laughs> Well, I don't know if it's the next couple. I would say it might be two or ten. These okay. motherfuckers are so goddamn dumb. They don't understand what they're doing, and they don't care. And all they really care about is the next office. And they don't even care about their own policies. The frustrating thing about California is they claim to be progressives. I'm calling them the regressives now, right? They can't wait to get all the fucking funding for the prison system, right? Like, they got no problem. Fuck, when that goes up, oh, up some more. Why? Prison guards, huge fucking lobby, right? Uh, they got no problem with oil having low taxes, alcohol having low taxes. It's fucking California. The money's fucking there. They don't need our money. It's like 0.25% of the budget. This raise that's coming in at the beginning of the year is like an infinitesimal amount. It's just so they can reshift the money and keep the power. And what's the biggest fucking thing that's come along, you know, since tech is really cannabis, right? And like when the internet came out, they didn't say like, oh, let's fucking hit that for 40%. Oh, they let it grow, create jobs and become a good thing. And when you really do the math, they're not really like saving that much fucking money. So like without getting into the argument of how much more would become legal, there would be 200,000 legal jobs, give or take, right? right? Easily, right? 
So that alone with the payroll taxes in the hundreds of millions, right? They're getting like 900 million now. Then you do law enforcement and the incarceration bullshit. You know, you throw in some other fucking metrics. Obviously, there'd be more sales. So I think the ideal tax rate would be don't fucking tax farmers. They don't do that in any other fucking business. Don't tax distributors, right? I'm a little more sympathetic to the cities to get a little bit of money and have some tax rates because they need the money. The state, I don't fucking think they should tax it at all. Maybe if they're going to do an excise tax, reduce it from 27 to 5, just like every other fucking industry. I don't know where they came up with the idea that cannabis is some old dinosaur fucking thinking, unevolved baby boomers living in some fucking other era where they put some vice tax on it. It's fucking bullshit. And between like alcohol and weed, like what, what, what's fucking worse? Like anybody with a brain and like would mm. say, yeah, you know, alcohol cares a hundred thousand people fucking drink it. I don't care. Right. But like, go ask a first responder, go ask a fucking cop, go ask a, a you know, women's shelter, whatever. They'd all say, yeah, no, it ain't fucking weed smokers. It's people drinking alcohol cause the problem. That shit's three thirty a gallon. So there's no logic behind the, the, the tax at all. So yeah, they got to make some money. Let them make some fucking money. So I'd say no tax on fucking farmers at all. Let the cities get a little bit because they do need money. Some of them, right? Uh, some of them, you know, they're getting a little greedy and they don't need them as much money. But like there's some little small cities that are broke right now. I'm okay paying a little bit to the cities. I don't know what's fair, four or five. And then the ex-ax tax, they got a 27. By the way, these motherfuckers say that calculates out to 15%. We paid 18%, right? Because our margins are smaller. So here's the other thing. You pay the 27% on the buy. So the more you charge, the less your tax rate is because they have some weird calculation. You're going to mark it up 80%, which we don't do, right? Um, so I would say 5% excise tax. Get rid of all the down. Stop taxing fucking farmers. They're all fucking dying. I get 100 DMs, like probably now sitting in my inbox, and like I'm trying to figure out a way to save all these fucking farmers and humble. I, I wish there was one. Yeah. I'm talking about doing like, you know, uh, Emerald Triangle Corner, trying two and three brands in each place, but they're all dying out. And, you know, it's going to be too late probably by the time reforms happen. Uh, you know, I'd say to the state 5% excise, get rid of the fucking rest of the tax and let the industry thrive. You'd bring more people in. And then, the you know, the, the, the BM would take care of itself. If the taxes were low, it'd just go away because that's just what would happen. There'd really be no incentive. They put a 40% tax on it. They've taken away all the penalty, which we're not for war on drugs 2.0. And we don't want them enforcing really, right? So it, like, it's the perfect conditions. Like, why wouldn't you do that, right? Mm -hmm. And well, I don't blame people for engaging in illicit activity, especially farmers trying to survive. They're just backdooring a few packs, right? Now, you know, there's bad actors. That, you know, I try to interview everybody I hire and I've heard all sorts of horror stories about trap shops and women's rights and, 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 and getting creeped on. And, you know, there's a little human trafficking. I do think that's the minority, but they're basically allowing that to happen. So I think the short answer is, I think 5% excise of the state, let the cities take a little bit. I do think it should be like determined across the board. And then uh, like, there's no reason to tax down the plant. And then, you know, the other issue to talk about would be why, if people are medical, are they being taxed uh, sales tax on stuff that's medical? So I think if you're medical, you should, they should get rid of the the sales tax, right? And I don't even know where medical and rec ends. We're using it for mental health. Was where I don't know. It's like it's pretty sure. fucking hard to 
yeah, you're full blown stage four cancer. That's medical, right? You smoke some weed at night to relax, like me. I don't know. That's fucking pretty uh, medical. You know, I, I interview everybody we hire. Like I said, 35, 40% have anxiety or depression. They smoke fucking weed uh, to deal with it. That's medical, and they might not have a medical card. Right. So I do think that it, 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 it's not the only medicine, uh, but it should be an option as a medicine. And if I'm not one of those that say, don't take fucking pills, if the pills work for you, take them. But if cannabis, you prefer it and it's got better side effects than medicine you're taking, you know, do that. So they've got great, way too greedy with it. I think if they got it down to 5%, it would balance out the books. Mm-hmm. By the time you know, the illicit market went from 75% to 25%, they'd get most of it back there. They'd get a bunch of money on payroll tax. They wouldn't be running around enforcing like morons. But what they want to do is they want to take the money so they could give the money to their friends. And then those people keep them in office. So without getting into the argument, and I don't want to fuck with the SEIU, of the SEIU's earmarks on the tax money, those are good programs. You could argue they're probably pretty good programs. Yes, yeah, you ain't giving that motherfucking money up, right? Um, they're just not going to give the money up. They got it. They're not going to give it up. They they don't see this grand picture. So it's there. It's earmarked for the SEIU. And ain't nobody getting into the SEIU's bankroll because they'll fuck you up politically. And this is a one-party state. Uh, so that's like the special interest or what's driving the policy. So nobody wants to fuck with it because crossing the SEIU, you might not get reelected. You might not get to the next office, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not like they're not sitting back going like, is this good policy or bad policy? The calculations are all political, right? And it's more than just the SEIU. They're really just redistributing wealth to their their special interests, taking it from cannabis because we're fucking fragmented now and small. There'll be a day when the industry probably consolidates, you know, hopefully it doesn't get too fucking corporate, but, you know, maybe that's the inevitability. And then they'll have big lobbyists and by then it will get fixed. But my point is, let's fuck fix it before like right. all these people that built the fucking marketplace for us. And really, you know, yeah, I did a little growing in fucking '96. I got here in '13. There's fucking OGs that fucking did time. Like we should be lifting these people up and supporting them. And you know, they took risk and they got it legal just to fuck them over with this high tax rate. To me, is you know immoral. And I would put a cap on. Uh, right now, I'd, I'd give people like a six month warning, and then that's it. I'd fucking shut it down. No more. Uh, cultivation permits. And then if the marketplace got bigger, the farmers could survive. And that would be that. But right now there's 800 retailers and like 700 growers. Mm. <laughs> it, it needs to be like 5,000 retailers and, you know, 700 growers. And then we're fighting over, you know, a quarter of the, of the market. So that's, you know, that's kind of my take on the tax thing, but it's just painfully uh, like stupid. And like, they say they're progressive and everything that's happening in the illicit trade between like no workers' rights, no fucking breaks, fucking women being creeped on, people being human trafficked, all the blood's on their fucking hands. And they're the regressives, the fake progressives that are pandering. And if I say black market, oh, they're going to get fucking super pissed off. Meanwhile, not one social equity program. And we're fucking funding a, you know, we're funding a private sector one. There would be no social equity in Long Beach. Yes, the advocates got it here. They deserve all the credit. But we politically fucking made that shit happen, right? Um, and they just pass it and walk away. So they're not for any of these things. And then, you know, again, with the the, uh, the 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 getting people out of jail, like to expunge a record, I actually, we have expungement clinics. We're proud of them. But I get like fucking five people, 10 people at a time. Mm. They're taking $900 million. Some motherfucker should be back there automatically expunging these things. 
And all the non-violent cannabis offenders, I'd go even further than that, well, let's just start with cannabis, should be fucking released from jail right, right away. Not that fucking hard. But they don't want to release them. Why? Because they need prisoners so they could fucking, uh, the prisons, you know, they make money. The fucking prison guards are a strong union. And so there's really no political will to ever cross over these special interests. So like Democrat, Republican, that's like a stupid fucking argument. They all suck and they're all driven by special interests. There's always exceptions. I've met some good politicians, but I'd say, you know, solid 80% of them are narcissistic and fucking stupid. And they're the worst kind of stupid. They think they're smart. That's the worst fucking kind of stupid. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And and I, it's very apparent, like how easy it is for it to turn political. Like you said earlier, you're not a political dude. This wasn't something you were speaking about years ago, but working through the system, it just becomes so apparent that a lot of the issues around cannabis are rooted in straight poli politics and, and political figures that are, you know, whether they're taking action to to gain something or taking inaction for the fear of losing something, you know, it's so wrapped up in this political system. Um, and I and to your point, too, of like lowering the taxes, I I've been talking about this a lot. I haven't ran the numbers, but it's a common thing. I mean, it just makes common sense in my head, like two plus two equals four is if 80 percent of 75, 80 percent of the weed is sold in the black market. We lower the taxes to where the price of the black market and retail, they don't have to be even Steven, but they get close enough. Right. Like where I'm going to go to the black market and I only save five or ten bucks, but I got to wait an hour or two. I get no selection. I don't know what I'm getting as opposed to you know, I'm going to go to the black market and save $60 or $50. Like, okay, I'll go through the hassle for that type of savings. But when it's, when it comes down to something that's a little bit more close, right, it pushes you to the rec market. Cause why don't you want safe and easy access on demand? Yeah. And then just besides that rec, rec, the, the rec market, all these employees are getting paid out of the table. We think it's about 300 million in payroll tax escaping. Right. And then you get California gets fucking income tax. So none of these people are paying taxes. Right. So you're pumping up and look, so I'm not, look, there's a lot of good people and I know them in the illicit market, right? And some people have come in the legal, they quit. They went back to the legal, illegal market, but nobody's paying tax too. So besides just the excise argument, which I think it almost gets there, you throw in like 300 million in payroll tax. And then like, you know, if a guy's making, he's got 12 traps, you know, he's popping them up and down and he's making $3 million a year. Well, they get 300 grand. The state gets 10% of that. The feds would get theirs, right? These guys aren't even filing tax returns. So beyond just the excise, that's why they're looking at this shit like this. It's mm. it's it's painful. And then you say you're for entry level jobs. What's fucking more entry level? Like cannabis is fucking great. And a lot of people are HQ. They started as butt tenders. And if you're if you don't have a college education, you're passionate about cannabis. You learn how a store works. You could fucking be a very 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 valuable person. Um, you know, in the industry with no college degree, right? So most of the people up here came in entry level, you know, our head of ops, the, the uh, head of facility openings, uh, our purchaser, uh, they all started off as, uh, you know, bud tenders. So like, you're just quashing that to death. It's, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. And like, you know, not to get too macro, but like, yeah, the fucking manufacturing jobs went, right? And there's these huge disparities in wealth. And by the way, I think tech has all the fucking money, not cannabis, right? Uh, and I'm not for like busting the tax out of anybody, but when Amazon is paying zero and they're treating their workers like shit and Bezos is going to space, yeah, it's an accomplishment. I'm not hating. Uh, you know, my wife's got Amazon packages in front of the house. Everybody likes the service. But like these motherfuckers are paying nothing. So it's really easy to get the 900 million from somewhere. It's this much fucking money. And then, you know, now that the oil spill happened in uh, Orange County, they've all found Jesus on conservation. 
These motherfuckers all take oil money, whether it's directly or for the 50 fucking fancy name super PACs they have. There's 35 more offshore uh, rigs that have been approved. Oil ain't paying any real tax. They pay some tax here and there. But in the city of Long Beach, they pay 63 cents on an $80 barrel. So, you know, I did a video. I got one eighth of yep. cannabis <laughs> and fucking 10 barrels of oil behind me. How does that make any uh, sense as far as impacts to the economy? And like, look, you know, we just want fair taxes, right? Like, what's fair? And I, I don't understand why cannabis has been put over here. We're going to treat you like the fucking bitch of the entire uh, business community. And we're going to treat everybody else differently even with these fucking robberies that are happening like you get robbed of your cannabis like kind of gets blamed on you the cops don't respond it's not the fucking big of a deal they fucking rob uh louis baton and fucking here they come they're walking in there right they're they're uh the police are all there so whatever the issue is it we're we haven't got to the point and look it's not discrimination on the level of uh, you know, I, I don't want to compare it to, you know, gay rights or, uh, you know, racial civil rights, but it is really uh, a, a, an equality issue mm -hmm. among businesses that we're getting treated. I mean, it in every way, just vastly inferior. And we're either fucking legal or we're not. And once we're legal, fuck you. Treat us like everybody else. Yeah, abs no, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I love, you know, a lot, a lot of this stuff. That, that you put out in content is really kind of helping educate people and take some of these injustices and to play in your part to write them. And one of them I've seen, I recently saw, I'm not sure when it was something about you guys getting started on a social equity program, I believe. And so I love just a little bit of inspiration behind that or what the inspiration behind that was. Cause when I look at how social equity was, was, was lined out in California, I'm in Washington. We don't even have it. They're trying to figure it out like six years into the game up here apparently now, but it, it turned out to be very predatory in most cases in California. Um, so I like the fact that you kind of took something in your own hands instead of, you know, leaving it to the government to fuck something else up. So what was kind of the inspiration behind, behind that? Well, you know, it's a super complicated issue. Um, and you know, you got to hit that sweet spot where it's worth it for the, the money and the resources to come in. And it also helps, helps out the, you know, equity applicant. And then I always say too, I think the, the caps are too low. This is a controversial statement, maybe. When they start capping shit at 50 grand, it's too low. What about the guy that fucking, his father was incarcerated. He fucking came from South LA. He worked his way up. He got the 80 grand a year. That's a fucking accomplishment. Oh, he can't get this social equity license? Your one qualification is you were broke for 20 fucking years and didn't do anything? Like, that's kind of fucking stupid, right? So I also think the way that they select applicants is stupid. You live in California, make it 90, 100 grand. You know, and, and you should take bio and background into consideration. You technically can't take race, but, you know, if you do interviews, you fucking can, right? Uh, you know, as an employer, you always have that in your mind, right? Trying to be, you know, fair and, and make sure you have a diverse work staff that's reflective of, of, of the employees. And then, you know, how Pusher Man started was, he's not really a kid, but I'm, in this business, I'm old man. I'm almost 44, right? I'm, I think I'm like, I got two guys in the accounting department older than me out of 250 people. It's just a, a young uh, industry, but the, uh, uh, you know, the, he was running around. They had 177 people. And what was happening is the industry itself was holding it down in Long Beach. And my thing is like, if you don't want it, just say you don't want it. You don't think it's fair. You don't think the economics work. You know, it's not realistic to give somebody 51%. You'd rather pass. It's a position, but just be sincere about it. Right. So what was happening really here in Long Beach was they were doing bullshit. It was never going to work to like try to placate the equity uh, you know, advocates, but really not give up any market share of the brick and mortar. And to be a little fair to Long Beach, 
it wasn't really on the radar that big in 2016 when Long Beach originally moved. So getting it diluted is a little tough, especially when you're getting taxed to death, right? But, um, you know, I had met an applicant that was trying at a $200,000 grant to do district, no retail brick and mortar was on the table. And like, I try to find him a space in the back of the building. I think the city just like gave him my number as like a way to do it. Then I, you know, I call the councilman, what if we did this, made it easier. So we ended up like not being able to make it work under the existing program. And then they were like starting to chirp about doing three delivery licenses, three fucking delivery licenses. Is our fucking joke, right? So we had multiple stores in Long Beach, and I like the kid Carlos. And I was like, "Yo, bro, I'll build you out a spot here. Just deliver under our license. We'll put in all the money. You know, we'll train you up. You know, the best we can. We're not like experts at delivery, but we got them gamed up enough, and we'll just do it, right?" And at that time too, we hadn't hit any real funding. Everybody's like, "What the fuck are you doing? You're building out a delivery uh, for an equity guy." And uh, and this is kind of like my. I don't know if it's a strength or a weakness. Like I just walk into the meetings and I'm like, Hey, we're doing this. Everybody's like, what the <laughs> fuck? Right. So anyway, it worked out. It got, it was way more expensive than we thought. And then, you know, we got, we got to get the weed map shit going to get the calls and the whole deal. But we put a lot of money and effort into that. And it's barely like getting by. Right. I think they're barely like getting their head above water profitable. So it's super hard, even with the backup and hundred percent of the funding Now we had a space for it. So it didn't get, uh, you know, crazy expensive, but I just couldn't watch the city fuck it up anymore and i was like i'm just gonna do one private sector catalyst back they still haven't even passed it this is going on months and months like we got up in 90 days so you know then what ended up happening uh you know i was like why the fuck aren't they giving you guys brick and mortar and they're like brick and mortar ain't nobody saying that i'm like i'll say brick and mortar so i started coming out and saying like yo let's add i said five it ended up being eight i was fine with the eight let's add some fucking brick and mortar because that really is something where you'll get the private sector to come in and invest a little more tangible, right? Um, so, you know, who held that down again? The industry, and ironically, the way Long Beach splits, there's four progressives, or sorry, four moderates, five progressives, right? Uh, so there's only one Republican left. We'll call them in the moderates and progressives, right? So regressives, progressives, whatever. Some of them are sincere, some of them aren't. But the leader of the progressives was holding it down because the industry and the special interests were not wanting it. So somebody who should have been for it was holding it down and then they had it further investigation i always say take or further study i always say take the first two letters of that that's what further study means in politics right <laughs> f you so we're burying it and then you know what what our strategy was of course we had the equity applicants you know set up the meetings and stuff was let's outflank them with the moderates we don't have a majority but once the shit sees the floor the progressive are going to have to vote for it they can't hide it right so uh two moderates ended up and they they were all for it anyway like it wasn't like they were against it but what they thought the progressives and the industry was we'd be able to hold this down because we got five votes what they didn't really calculate was oh if the moderates bring it forward then the, the, the it will the progressives will be forced to vote and oddly that night they almost voted it down so they could be the ones who took it forward if you stood up i won't get into the whole thing but ultimately Two of the moderates brought it forward. You know, one of them is fairly liberal. And then the only Republican co-sponsored it. And then they were checkmated and passed 9-0, right? And this is the same motherfuckers that have like George Floyd on their wall holding up a fist. And it's the hypocrisy that, that gets to me. So like, it's complicated. There's a lot of issues with it. You know, there's some arguments to be made. Like, you know, we have a social equity one in LA. We're fucking in this shit for a million four. It's kind of like, damn. And I'm only going to get X amount of the you know, a profit. So 
it's a, it's a tough issue. Um, you know, what some of the things I've suggested are like, why does it have to be one person? Maybe it could be five, 10% a fucking lot of a license. Right. And then you don't give, uh, you know, one person as much, uh, you know, you know, power in it and just, you know, different things. And, you know, the predatory issue, my suggestion was set up a panel and then the ultimate say will be with, uh, the government. Right. But the panel with people who actually know what a predatory agreement looks like, because these motherfuckers don't know. There's a million ways to predatory somebody, whether it be cost of goods, marketing costs, bullshit executive costs, fucking uh, management fees. Like there's a hundred fucking ways, even in the non-equity market. It's been all done. My suggestion was like, why don't you have the industry check? Because you're too fucking dumb. Then we'll red flag them, send them to you. You guys can be the arbitrator. There's enough competitive uh, you know, thing going on there. So, you know, we're, we're really proud of what we did at Pusher, man. And then, you know, we, we did, you know, I would say we're a large part, um, you know, ultimately the credit again goes to the advocacy of LB triple C, which was one of the big ones and other equity groups who brought it here. But, you know, we did kind of, they put a little wind at their back and, you know, teach them the political game. Cause they were thinking the general, anybody who kind of knew like, Oh, well, we'll go to the most progressive people and that will be who gets it through. And no, right. That not, that's not what happened, but you know, ultimately when it saw the light of day and it was time to vote, they knew they had a fucking vote, but that was not what, you know, it caught them off guard. Yeah. So they didn't, yeah, I mean, the, the progressives didn't know it was going to be on the agenda until it hit the agenda. Right. And that was by, uh, design. So I'll probably get in trouble. I'll give you a little inside baseball, but just to get like, I never gave a fuck about local politics. Like, yeah, I'm fairly well informed follow national shit, maybe barely knew who my city council person is. We were in like 26 election cycles last time around, right? We get real aggressive. We fucking send up some, you know, we take people out, that, you know, and it's not about are you cannabis or not cannabis. Now I can name like most of the local city councils, who hasn't gone yet, which seat we need to flip. You know, some cities I, that I'm in, I know, you know, like just, you ha- just being in it, you, know, you had to get deep into the politics. You kind of learn, you know, you know, you try, you have to be authentic and, you know, your friends are your friends and your enemies are your enemies. I like to make it clear, but there is always a little gamesmanship, you know, that kind of happens behind the scenes. And the hope is you uh, are well-intentioned and do it for the right reasons. You know, again, moderates, they brought forward the social equity bill in Long Beach. So they're going to, there will be eight brick and mortars uh, in Long Beach. And now motherfuckers hate us over that shit uh, <laughs> because it's, it's diluting the, uh, the license pool, right? Which is a real thing. And then they fucking changed the map. And if I'm being honest, I was like, oh, God damn. Because I guess that was a problem getting the real estate. And I thought, whoa, you really opened this motherfucker up. Because I had to like battle to get, there was only going to be one spot on Second Street. Now Naples is open. And I'm like, fuck, that's right down the street. And then I had to like do this whole move to get downtown. And I'm like, ah, damn, now there's some more space downtown. So you're always balancing that. Like, you know, you need to get the ROI to the shareholders. Because, you know, I got, you know, plumbers and fucking uh, just regular Joes that are, you know, they're, 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 they're original uh, seed investors, you know, even some attorneys and doctors, not uh, uber, uber wealthy. And then your own personal, like, yeah, you want to make some fucking money. Uh, but, you know, you try to, you know, always hit that balance of being a good corporate citizen. So that dance is funny. You know, I was super proud, like, ah, oh, we got it done. And then they changed the map. And I'm like, oh, fuck, my equity map. The fucking, God damn it, we're going to have one down the street. All right, all right, surrender it. It's gonna, it's gonna be a fine. And my, and my take is, look, if you're on the right side of history and you're doing the right thing, I don't know how or why. This is just something I believe. 
sit on the radio the other day, like everything else will fall into place. So I, mm. I don't like ascribe it to like anything specific. I just think there's a power greater than me that I don't understand that it, and not to get too philosophical about it. But if you're doing the right thing, I do think things uh, work out. But that's been an interesting one. It's a super tough topic. It hasn't really worked uh, in a lot of vicinities. I think Long Beach has taken a really good approach. They took a lot of input. Um, and I hope it's, you know, this is where I'm born and raised in my fucking town here, right? So I hope we're really a model, uh, you know, going forward. I won't go through every policy issue, but we had ad nauseum discussions, uh, you know, with staff and stuff. And I think they really, really want to make it uh, a good program, avoiding the obvious, the predatory and all that other stuff. But I always say, like, everybody talks about barriers of entry being money and, you know, compliance, which, yeah, fuck yeah. There's still barriers of entry for me. I couldn't do the fucking compliance today, right? And I've been in this shit for uh, five years. But don't underestimate the industry itself. Mm. The political class is probably bigger barriers of entry because ultimately, you know, and look, it happens to all of us a little bit. You get your fucking license. The cap is 32. Do you really want it to go to 40? Right. And, you know, I think if people were killing it, they might be a little more generous. But when, you know, half the stores probably aren't profitable and, you know, most of them are about to fold up shop. It's pretty fucking hard to be thinking about, you know, giving up eight more to right. uh, anybody, you know, social equity or anyone. So it's definitely a balance. And I don't claim to be like, I definitely had a moment when that map came out, like, oh, motherfucker, they made a whole new map for this equity thing. God damn it. I opened a fucking Pandora's box, but it took me a minute. Uh, you know, I got over it and it's like, oh, well, it's going to be what it's going to be. And fucking put your head at night in the pillow and, and, and uh, be proud. And I do think, look, this stuff is going to age 50, 100 years from now. And, you know, people are going to be like, you know, I'm going to be long gone. I don't know what's going to happen in the industry, but that's definitely the right side of, uh, you know, it's the right thing. It's the right side of history. Absolutely. And, that, and that's one of the things I think that not a lot of people talk about is is the aspect of being in business and also being an advocate or participating in advocacy at the same time is you might fight for something that you don't think is right, but then you create uh competition or you create new lanes for competition and, and like you said like increasing the license count not only is that you know dilute the consumer base of who shops where but also devalues your license because what was once one of x number is now a higher number and so that automatically can potentially drive that cost down but like you said being on the right side of history is definitely something that's super important and not enough individuals clearly we wouldn't be where we're at today not enough individuals that had the power or the opportunity to be on the right side have made those choices so big salute to you for that and something i want to ask about is you clearly have no issue talking about corruption talking about politics which a lot of people in the cannabis space you know are, are trained to i don't know hold everything secret not share things publicly it's just kind of this part of this cannabis industry and then also in business you know like you said you got to play the political game and part of that is not getting on people's bad side but speaking out can potentially get you on people's bad side so why do you feel the need or the comfortability <laughs> of just speaking so freely well there's a joke going on i do have you know, a few political consultants lobbyists i guess is the real name and the joke is like anytime they you know half the time they don't admit they know me uh then other times you know uh they're like they'll say oh yeah i work for catalyst and they'll be like oh man and i get told all the time stop knock it off what's all the cussing? I'm like, I don't know, man. So I fucking talk. Right. Or, you know, we do real aggressive mailers. Uh, there'll be some stuff coming up, you know, uh, that, you know, there was a debate over and I'm like, yo, I'm just going to say that shit. Right. I can't, you know, and sometimes you get these alliances, you got to, you know, bite your words a little bit, but you know, the interesting thing for me is like, I barely even got onto Instagram 
it's maybe going on about 19, 20 months ago. And the guy who's my marketing guy, he had to like beg me just to get him like not beg me, but he's like, come on, bro, let's do some fucking marketing. Like you're doing no marketing. Like I'm like, I know, I know we had no money. I'm just trying to build this fucking footprint. That's some later shit. So then we started driving around. He's like, dude, you're the marketing. Just start talking shit. And I was like, <laughs> like on this fucking thing, I can barely even work it. Right. Uh, so, you know, I just like literally had like 300 people watching. Nobody gave a fuck. And we just started putting it out there. And I didn't really think like, it's weird, you know, even if like, you, you just kind of keep finding your voice a little more and a little more. Um, and then just watching it and getting a little bit more confident. And, you know, even I watched my old shit that I did, you know, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, you know, and then like you kind of get comfortable with how to talk into the uh, camera. So it's just funny, like, you know, and I've, I've had, you know, I did a thing for kids at the college. I love the young guys, it's fucking great. Two of our proponents on new ballot initiatives are 20. They're fucking gung-ho as uh, shit. In fact, one of them hit me last night and he got called by a reporter. He's like, what do I say? I like, you fucking speak your truth. I don't give fucking talking points to anybody, right? We got the fucking truth. They're lying, right? We got the fucking, uh, uh, you know, uh, truth on our side. But it's been an interesting thing. I wouldn't have thought it was a thing. Uh, you know, you got to watch it a little bit. But I, I don't know. I just can't, you know. And then they tell me I've heard a lot of feedback then you know we're writing some initiatives you know i get this you're toxic now so it's out there right and you know i have to combat that but i, I always say like yo just give me a face to face you know a little bit of time uh, beat me and if you still have that opinion then then fine and then every city that we've opened in fucking loves us they see we're out there we're doing what we say we're sincere in our commitment this ain't like our lower level people are doing it. This is our fucking executive staff. They see we're there with all heart and that we're sincere. Even cities we sued the fuck out of and we were in big fights with and they hated us. Now we're their favorite operator, right? So, you know, I'm just like, give me the chance to to open. But, you know, as you get to a new city, you kind of got to, you know, you're, you're, you're auditioning. And it's this interesting thing where like, you know, we've been developed developed this reputation for being like, you know, some people say litigious, I say relentlessly pursuing justice, but in being hard bastards and outspoken and fuck this, fuck that, fuck this. And, you know, the political wisdom is, you know, stop doing that uh, or you're not going to win any more licenses. I just say, you know, I don't know any other way. And and if, if they like us for who we are, good. If they don't, they don't. But, you know, like, let's, and it always gets political at the end. That's just what it is. And there's still a lot of corruption, right? There's brown bagging corruption. I think that's getting smaller. There's straight cronyism corruption that goes on when awarding these. Uh, we're like, you know, the, whether it be the inside real estate developer, you know, the other, I will get to know them all, but there's other local uh, contracts. <laughs> the people in those businesses to start saying, but like public service contracts, we'll call them, right? Uh, they seem to be really politically strong. And, you know, they're, they have an O and they usually figure out a way to get in. And where the cities get in trouble is, they take really shitty applicants and they did a bad application and they award them a license. So we're really good at not proving that that was corrupt ass bullshit, but like it didn't fit what your initiative was. So it has been part of our strategy to litigate right now. If I'm looking at my board, uh, you know, we're either suing eight cities in two states. So like <laughs> it's been fairly effective. We don't sue if we don't think we have a good position. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, we're just trying to, you know, if it's a fair process, it's a fair process. But, you know, when we apply, I always think we're the best applicant. I think we're going to have some of the highest numbers, pay the best tax volume. 
We don't fuck around. We got great accounting, fucking great security. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to do our community outreach and, you know, we're going to advocate. And we try, I try not to beat up on the cities too hard, especially when they need money. So I take most of my fight, uh, you know, to the state. Uh, but, you know, I've been called many times by political people and they're like, what the fuck? You just said the mayor of Costa Mesa's got no fucking balls or you just said this guy's a dog killer. And I'm like, well, he did kill his fucking dogs. Like somebody should be talking about it. Who's defending a dog killer? We didn't technically kill him. He neglected him and, they, and, and he died or whatever the issue. Right. Uh, and then, you know, apparently Sacramento, uh, I hear is. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I hear they're watching. So that even makes me feel like kind of like, oh, cool, right on. Let's uh, let's talk to them as much as I can. And sometimes, too, like, you know, I try to keep it under 59 seconds. You know, every once in a while I'll go two or three minutes. But their attention span is short. And, you know, you got to hit a little shock and ah to get the eyeballs. Uh, and it's just funny to watch the metrics. Like, you do these really nice posts sometimes. Like, oh, I met some great people today, all heart. And then, like, ooh. And then when you're like, fuck you, Newsom, you fucking overtaxing motherfucker. You're like, damn, that shit got 250 reshares and, you know, whatever, 5,000 views. So it's just the crowd does like a little uh, red meat. I don't have to try to get to myself to that level, but I am cognitive of like, I mean, what can you really say in 59 seconds or two minutes? You, know, you can kind of make your point. Um, but like a dialogue like this, you can see like, oh, this guy actually done his homework. He's got mm -hmm. facts behind it. Like, you know, we, 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 uh, we're not just yelling. Uh, we're doing shit, right? We're suing the state. We're writing. You'll probably see 10, 12 initiatives written, not with our own pen, but, you know, Damien, the guy who's in the next office, still here fucking working, by the way, uh, where we're trying to get rid of the bottleneck at, at, at the retail, right? We have legal remedies. We have free speech. So it's not just talk. We're actively trying to change uh, the, uh, the process. And I do think people just a little bit are starting to speak out, you know, uh, you know, Florida is like, fuck you. I'm not paying my taxes. You didn't say it quite like that on this, uh, cannabis tax raise. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. Mm. It's an interesting position, but I like anybody who's, you know, out there talking. And again, the conventional wisdom is if you just stay quiet and you're nice and you make friends, you'll get more. And like, maybe, I don't know. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I think when you take the totality of our story, uh, you know, in some of these jurisdictions, I go, okay, I can live with that, right? If they're really going to do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, look, I they finally stopped, but the CDFTA was auditing the fuck out of us. Everybody was auditing us. It's kind of nice. I think we mostly got it over. Uh, but, you know, I told the CDFTA to suck my dick, you know, and like my accounting department is like, what the fuck? You know? I said, when I had, somebody said, what do you think about all the audits? I'll tell the CDFTA, audit me some more, suck my dick. So, you know, but... Oddly enough, there's like another side of it that I would say, and this is not like an intentional thing, but it almost keeps them on their toes, right? Mm -hmm. How do they want to keep auditing me? Do they just look like bigger fucking assholes? We keep fucking, you know, for all intents and purposes, uh, you know, passing, right? Or whatever. They find a few nickels, but, uh, you know, our shit is, is, is ran super tight or I wouldn't be talking this much uh, uh, shit. So it's definitely interesting politics. I don't think anybody else does politics like I do. I think it's like uh, a very unique strategy. Mm -hmm. But you know, the flip side of that is I'm pretty sure we got the highest winning percentage. We don't have the most open stores. We got the fucking highest winning percentage in a, a you know competitive licensing fight in the state. It's not even close, right? You know, we're winning 80 plus percent of the time. Um, I always think we're the best applicant. So, so far, 
it hasn't been an issue, but you know, we're creeping into the South Bay uh, with some initiatives and, and uh, I don't think they like that as, as much, right? So I think it depends on the area, but I'm not planning on, uh, you know, changing and like if nobody's yelling or, you know, advocating, then nobody's gonna be doing it or people are doing it, or maybe I'm lucky enough now to have a little bit uh, bigger platform as we get uh, bigger, but that, you know, that's the only way that it's, it, it's gonna change is, it is simple, just do this to the taxes and like, that'd be like 80% of the, uh, the fix. And I don't know why they can't see that. Yeah, and, and I think that's why it's so effective. It's not necessarily the negativity. I mean, like the, the loudness, the, the authentic, you know, brashness, whatever you want to describe it, like I think is effective, right? When you put content on the internet, entertainment value, some sort of entertainment value helps spur the content and more reach more people. But when you're talking about real things and like, you know, you can authentically see like, yo, this is painfully fucking obvious to me. And when you're talking about that, I think the point drives home so well. And, and so that's some, I mean, clearly that's how I, I found yourself is, you know, through the content I was seeing online. And it was just, I, I love that, you know, someone that's, that's talking real shit and backing it up, right? If, if you're talking shit and not able to back it up, you're not going to be able to talk shit on a, on, on a platform for very long, right? So I, I think it's a testament to what you've been doing. Um, one of the things I did want to touch on too is with the expansion of having nine stores and, and continuing to grow, what are some of the, the challenges or thought process that goes into building a brand that's like a cohesive brand, but also making sure you cater to each of these different neighborhoods or, or cities that you're launching in? You know, it's a good question. <laughs> it's gonna, I'm curious to see how this shit's going to go. So, you know, we're about to open in Marina, which is this little town near Monterey. And then right behind that, we're going to open in Calexico. So like no easy way to either of those places, right? Calexico is like an hour and a half of San Diego, east of San Diego. So there ain't no fucking easy way there. I think it's going to be a great location right next to Mexicali. Um, you know, I, I think the culture, you know, is here. So, and I think people understand that the brand thing really like, you know, and, 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 like it, I'm humbled that, you know, people are appreciating the message that we're putting out there, but really it's just menu, keeping it really good and the prices. And then each store, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of similarities is unique. Like, I don't know, for whatever reason, Santa Ana, they love concentrates. So they're the only one that smokes more concentrates. Our Belmont Shore has a little bit older crowd. So we carry more. Uh, like pain stuff, bombs, more higher CBD. They don't like to get, you know, too high. Some of our other stores more like middle of the road, uh, you know, flowers. So I, I, you know, and, and oddly, like I said, we don't have a marketing department. Maybe one day we'll put one together, uh, but it's actually, you know, fairly far on the back burner. I'm going to be interested to see since we have like zero following in Marina, you know, how long that takes to, uh, you know, uh, you know, pick up. Uh, you know, my big concern is always like, you know, if the end game is to get 50 or 100 or whatever the fuck we can get of these things, I don't want to come to it, like turn into some, you know, corporate like lost. Then we're like, you know, we're talking shit about Brad and Chad and Karen. Oh, by the way, I know two cool Chads. I feel bad for them. But, uh, you know, the, the you know, we're in these you know, big corporate people. And then, you know, I just want to do our best not to become that. And so it's the little things. And, you know, HR and fucking they're making fun of me. I like to interview everybody. Right. I said it a few times. But that keeps me in touch. You know, El Monte, I did 18 in a day. It's fucking for 6 to 10 p.m. It's a lot of work. Um, and then, you know, when we're cleaning this, the freeway in South L.A., I come out there and I, I, I do it. So I think of the little things uh, just to show that, like, yo, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm doing it, right? I'm living it. Um, and then just being, 
you know, sincere, whatever it is. To me, the littlest things are the biggest things, right? Like I've probably fixed a hundred orders uh, or, or customer concerns that I got DM'd about, right? Uh, whatever it was, hey, this didn't go right. And I called out of the store, it's getting harder to do. I might start handing that off, but I think it's important. Um, and I try to get to them all. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let's say like, you know, said something completely in a real, there's like five where I was like, I can't help you, back to staff. But like 90 times, 98 times, I'll, I'll fix it. And I'll text out of the store, hey, this guy's coming in, give him hundred bucks worth of product for a dollar. Then I even do little things like somebody will text me, man, I love your message. I'm fucking an OG in a wheelchair. Your prices have been helping me. I just want to say thanks. And I'm like, text me next time you go into the store. And then I'll text the manager, give this guy 200 bucks. You can't give it away for free for some dumb fucking reason. But give this guy 200 bucks for the product for a dollar. So just these little things. And I think it means a lot to the people. So, and then you got to like walk the line of like, you can't give it all to everybody. Time management becomes a thing. I got a fucking family. I have four kids and a wife. You know, this is all, this is all I do. But I do think it's important to spend a lot of time on the little things too, as well as the big things. So the little things are, see my wife's on, hey baby, I love you. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, 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 she gave me the little uh, googly eyes there. But uh, you know, I, I do think, uh, you know, that is an important part of, of who we are. The overall branding, like is a strategy, like we don't really, you know, have one. Uh, you know, so the, the, the SOP is, you know, basically non-existent. Right. And it's, you know, I think at some point we'll probably do a little more, but you know, the way I see it, you know, to get into some, you know, macro and why we haven't necessarily spent a lot of money on it and why we keep our corporate overhead low legalization was like a meteor hitting the earth. Right. And boom, it hit the earth. So everybody thought like, Ooh, T-Rex is a badass. Triceratops is a fucking badass, but they needed a lot of food to survive and they couldn't fucking live. They went extinct. Who lived? The little fucking mouse that was just eating a little bit of cheese. Mm. And the mouse evolved to the Australopithecines, to the Homo erectus, to the, you know, to the age of the mammals, to the humans we are today. And like, that's where I think we are. We're in the age of the mammals and we don't know it. So the little mouse that's eating on the cheese that's surviving, he doesn't look like a big bad dinosaur, but the dinosaurs that need big meals, they're fucking dying out, right? And I'm watching these MSOs come in here, check the scoreboard in two years. Yeah, they could buy their way in. They can't fucking get in, right? Because they're not growing the right way. They're not organic. They need too much food to survive, right? So there's going to be an extinction event. We're just little mouse eating on the cheese. So when it comes down to the branding, like, I guess in a way, and I don't say it's an arrogant way, I just kind of did it in my own image, right? <laughs> we for the people, gritty, fucking tough. Like, let's do our outreach. And, you know, everybody, that was our culture. It's not just me, you know, my right hand, Matt Damien, it's everybody. And then, you know, everything kind of fell in place behind that. But like, we don't have any, uh, like our branding is almost non-branding, right? And then, you know, we had this discussion once, it's kind of a fun one I like to bring up. Where we're like, what are our exit bags gonna be? And then like, you know, we're doing like, I don't know, 4,000, 5,000 transactions a day. And I'm, and there's like a dollar fifty. I'm like, fuck that shit, right? First is my first reaction, right? Then I'm like, nah, let's reverse it. Like, who gives a fuck about the exit bag, right? The vendors are already, uh, you know, putting it in a nice package. That probably matters. So I was like, let's just put it in a brown bag. And then someone's like, well, what about a stamp? So that's what we do. We got a brown bag and a stamp. 
I actually think that's good branding. Not only do we save, you know, whatever fucking eighty hundred thousand dollars a month in unnecessary bags, right? We're uh, the brand is that. Don't worry about the bag. Worry about what's inside the bag. Mm. Do you really want to pay an extra buck for a bag you're gonna throw away anyway, or a buck twenty, or whatever the fuck these fancy bags cost? So we just get brown bags, like fucking lunch bags. They cost like a penny each. And fucking hit them with a stamp over and over again. And those are our exit bags. So all those, I guess you would call that branding. But it's also like, yeah, we're just cheap fucks. And we want to pass the the, the thing on. So it's kind of been fun because it's a new industry. And maybe it's a new form of branding. And like now we've kind of fallen into this like, oh, I'm now more aware that I'm branding if that makes sense right mm -hmm. but I, I wasn't necessarily as aware in the beginning right and so you know there'll be like little jokes about like you know you know the marina thing one of our partners has a fucking uh plane right uh they were the majority he was in trouble he had a license there and he needed help so we helped him out uh and just on that license he's our partner He's got a, a plane, and, and I'm like, all right, no fucking pictures on the uh, <laughs> on the plane. It's not my plane, and it would be convenient if I, uh, you know, flew up there. I don't know if we'll end up taking his plane or not, but now I am aware, like, and look, I don't live fancy in any way. It would be another guy's plane and another guy's gas, uh, but that said, like, it has creeped into my consciousness, like, hey, don't catch me on no fucking private plane, right? That would be uh, off-brand, whereas, like, I would have never really put any real thought into that kind of little calculation. So, you know, just being careful. Uh, and I, like, I don't really overthink that stuff. It's kind of sit as a, uh, as a joke, but the branch is really being ourselves, Right. And, it, and that makes it uh, easy. And to your point of getting the eyeballs, yeah, you want to get your point across, but you know, I am aware, uh, you know, there was some, <laughs> there's some lady that testified at Congress about like, Oh, they're pushing controversial content. And uh, I don't, I don't remember like a whistleblower. I was like, you know, fucking shit. I can tell just by my own, yeah, like metric what, uh, you know, uh, you know, people watch and what they, uh, you know, what they don't watch. And, you know, funny enough, we've had some really nice produced videos, uh, you know, by you know, well-known artist gets less views than me, like talking shit at a city council meeting. So it is kind of interesting that, uh, you know, especially how like whatever we've built our reputation, that's more interesting to the people that are watching than like some, highly produced, cool, uh, you know, video. And I assume that, you know, the views and the reshares are somehow, uh, you know, correlated to whether they like it or they're, you know, interested. And if they're hate watching, I like them too. So, but, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a tangent, but, you know, look, I, I'm super concerned that we like over the years evolve into what we don't want to be, right? So I think by always, yeah, we're going to get big, Hopefully, I mean, that's the goal, right? So we always just got to you know, remember to play small. And again, you know, the little touches. When our guys got COVID at the stores, what do you guys want? I called them up. Well, you want wheat? That makes sense. I delivered the wheat, right? So, and I think just, you know, it takes 15 minutes, but it says everything. So always just keeping staff on that and doing little acts of kindness, uh, I think, you know, go a long way. Maybe we'll get a marketing guy in here one day that, uh, actually knows how to market but my concern is i don't want some fucking douchebag in skinny jeans like reinventing our uh image right and like you know i've gone into things like oh here's the talking points like i fuck the talking points right uh so i don't even know where we would start if we were going to brand because i feel like everything we've done is so unconventional 
and you know some of it i think was like accidental i would say right uh like who that's a marketing expert is going to come in and like you know you know today i was getting a little pissed off at the tax like you know fuck you newsome fuck you sacramento like that's not going to be a uh you know something that <laughs> comes to mind right so and i'm pretty willful so i'm not really going to change uh you know the way we're doing it so it's an interesting question but i think that would be one of the last departments that we actually uh you know develop my joke now is i'm the de facto head and you know i got the homie take the pictures like we'll go to places i'll be like yo i brought the whole fucking marketing department it's me and my guy right (laughs) (laughs) well i think i mean the authenticity is is a big thing of branding and a big thing of marketing right like big money tries their best to buy that you know, to buy platform, authentic platforms is the same thing as like, you know, they talk about music, a, re- a record label um, has infrastructure and has money, but they don't have coolness, right? They try and sign artists and buy that. And so I think to your point, most people, because I do marketing and consulting a-, a little bit as well. And most people that say like in cannabis, like, I don't want to do marketing. I'm going to do that later on. I, a lot of people say that. And I'm like, God, this is such a fucking backwards, terrible approach, but they're missing a key component of what you have. And I think of what's been successful is just being authentic, having an understanding a message, even if it's been something you developed over time, but understanding and owning your message and then communicating that out, whether it's through content, whether it's through words, whether it's through actions, whether it's brick by brick through interactions with people. So, I mean, you're clearly doing marketing and branding at a very high level, even if it's not intentional and super graphics and making hype. Because to your point, exactly, like when you're saying something on a selfie, filmed cell phone video, right? You might actually be saying something that resonates with people and connects with people. Whereas if you just have pretty imagery and really, you know, film on a red camera, $10,000 video, what does that say? What do people get from that other than, wow, that looks really great. Wow. There's some weed products in there. Like, you know, there's not something to connect with. And that's, that's marketing is like people connect with different points with a brand or with a company. Well, I think cannabis is unique too. Like, this and look i like some of the influencers that are out there so i don't want to put them all down i do think burner carries some street cred i say the biggest influencers of the game and it's not a tagline or the bud tenders right but that's the most powerful army you could have that's you know there and i always you know like when hey how do you get the fucking bud tenders you know win them over um but you know it, you don't see like it's it's really a medicine right whatever however you know recreation whatever you want to say it's really a medicine and it's how it's going to make you feel and it's what you're going to like so like when they're doing pharmaceutical commercials they're not bringing fucking michael jordan on there right they're not bringing a fucking some famous rapper on there so like at the end of the day i also think that it's arrogant a little bit to think you could charge more for a product because you're a rapper that's grown by another grower that you know you could get for cheaper but if you just look at the back right and look i love seth rogan movies you fucking guy i love him i think he's great the fuck do i want to buy his weed for can't grow weed uh mike tyson guy was my hero growing up i love you tyson by the way don't fucking knock me out but like him being a part of the brand doesn't really you know move the needle for me so and there's i mean i could go purple urkel fucking cheech and chong there's like 20 of them right and i don't think any of them have worked so much yet yeah that you might get a few eyeballs and we do carry a product and it's not to put the, the 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 product down but this isn't fashion this isn't, uh, you know, handbags or or or, or automobiles or, or different things like that. This is really like what you care about when you're buying it is, how's it going to make you feel? Mm. So like as an influencer, there is a little bit of coolness to it, 
I do think that's wearing off. Like limited drops do kind of work. Uh, you know, exclusive kind of work. Then you can get it. You'll be the guy that has it. So there is a little bit of that. But I think for the most part, like what people are looking for is like what's going to make me, you know, feel good. And you know, as I've, you know, I as I've started to, you know, smoke more cannabis again. Like I only fuck with indicas. I got like five strains I like, and like I don't give a fuck what somebody promotes. That fucking high THC content sativa. If I smoke that shit when I go home, I'll be pacing my house, fucking yelling at the fucking uh, Governor Newsom. But if I hit some good fucking indicas, you know, a few times over, it will it will knock me out. So like, I think people, you know, and everybody's different. Everybody's got a unique, uh, a, you know, a cannabinoid system and medications or anything we intake affects us, uh, you know, differently. So I think that's what people really care about. And you know, we're offering a value to the the customer. And I also think what's interesting. Um, and I didn't put too much thought again into this going in the younger generation. Yeah. We like to rag them a little bit for being a little soft and the millennials and the Gen Z's and all this, but they actually really fucking care, um, about the planet and, you know, global warming and, you know, conservation and, you know, doing the right thing. So I think we've been able to connect a little bit on that issue as well. Like if you're going to spend your dollars, and you see these guys doing the right thing. And then over here, you know, these guys are posting, uh, you know, pictures of them in their Lambo. Like, why the fuck do you want that? I'd rather like, you know, we're going to give, I think we'll be in 16 cities in a toy drive. Like, and we'll be put, you know, we obviously put it out there. We want people to know we do it for its own sake. We get, there's a political and a, a branding value to doing it. So I, I also think that that plays into it. And that's our demographic, right? You know, uh, look, we want to get them all. Uh, generally, you know, the soccer mom's great. She smokes one vape a month. I mean, I want her too. God bless her. I think my wife's watching. She's probably one of those, but she actually smokes a lot more than me. But the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the 34 and under, they smoke a lot of fucking weed. That is our main demo. Look, we, we hit all demos. Uh, I really like getting the elderly people in. I did a post about getting granny high, uh, the other day. Right. And it was just like, it meant in a fun way. Right. We're like, you know, I've gone to my house. And, you know, bang, just bring two and a half milligram drinks over. Everybody drinks some. You don't really get super high. Everybody's laughing, having a good time. And it, it breaks down the, you know, the stereotype. So we want to, you know, service all ages. But just realistically, who's the heavy smokers of weed? You know, 40 and under are, are really, you know, even 34 and under are, are the main, uh, you know, consumers. So it's it's that that demographic definitely cares about the future, you know, what's going to happen. You know, I razz them a little bit here and there, uh, you know, on their uh, ultra, uh, you know, sensitivity, but that's it. Uh, you know, they're, 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 they, they care. And when you look, you know, I don't want to generalize generations, the fucking baby boomers kind of fuck shit up. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, uh, you know, obviously there's like a rational, we're not putting them all in one category, but they took great surpluses, and fucking ran us into debt and fucked the planet up and did a bunch of other shit and don't seem to really want to change anything. And then, you know, I'm a jet Xer right there in the middle. We were like punk rock, fucking gangster rap. And they thought we were going to be the lost cause. So now like we're kind of finding our voice like beyond me, just as a generation. And then the younger generation, they're like, fuck yeah, let's do some change. So I do think like, like, especially like you start getting like 60 and older, they hear me and they're just like, well, I'm turning this dude off. Like this guy's a fucking <laughs> like n nothing, right? But like you get your when you're talking to younger 
more youthful, they're like, fuck yeah, this is this is what I'm fucking talking about. This right. is what I want to hear. And, you know, I've been told a lot of times to watch the language. If I'm in a political setting, I'm speaking to see how I don't cuss. But, like, that's the way I always talked. I'm from Long Beach. So how do we talk, right? Um, so it's not like I'm not, like, adding them or taking them away. It's just the way that I talk. And I just, you know, as I, you know, when I first got in business and, I, you know, doing real estate before this, you know, little by little, then now I just like, I just talk how I talk. No matter, you know, maybe if I'm trying to borrow some money, I'll drop a few less bucks. I'll still mix in a, uh, you know, a, a couple of them, right? So, uh, you know, it's it's uh, definitely a, a, you know, again, the authenticity thing is is if I do that and you know stick to you know what our core values are, the rest of the shit's gonna be gonna be uh good and, and i i just love the young guys like you know i've done a few little i had a couple college professors actually like reach out and they're fucking on it they get the shit they know it's fucked up and like we're stuck in these paradigms of like democrat republican are you vaxxed or not vaxxed like all this shit is just made up shit like i don't know if it's like intentionally some grand conspiracy to get everybody doing this meanwhile like the fucking special interests of the corporations are really uh you know running things so like Let's get away from that. And I think people realize that, you know, I don't know what the solution is. You can't overthrow the entire political system. It would be, uh, you know, fun and nice. Um, but I think cannabis is a symptom because it's new of a lot of what's wrong with the, uh, you know, the political system. And again, I'm just shocked and appalled uh, just from what I've learned from moving around and meeting these fucking scumbags. Like they're the worst people are running the fucking yeah. government. It's fucking bad. I'm talking full blown, like a good chunk of them are just full blown sociopaths and they don't give a fuck about anything. And they're saying all this shit, but they're not doing anything. And they're really just trying to get votes to get power. They just want the accolades of being in the office. And and I've met really good ones. In fact, some of the people that were most anti-cannabis, I have the best relationships with today just because they said, I'm anti-fucking cannabis. It's legal. Let's work together. I can deal with that. Right. It's this hypocrisy shit that, uh, you know, drives me up. Same thing with the oil debate. Like you say, drill, baby, drill. I don't agree with you, but that's an argument. You say Green New Deal and then you fucking open 35 new oil rigs and you got the fucking uh, oil money greasing the entire fucking state. <laughs> right? Like shut the fuck up with that shit. Just, you know, it's, it's, that's the frustrating, uh, you know, part. So like at least own what you are. Um, and, you know, I, I think that pointing out the hypocrisy, uh, it is uh popular but i definitely got on a tangent but i do like uh the youngsters they're a little sensitive uh but you know the 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 the, the counter the counter side of that is i do think materialism is dying um it, you still see it in places i do think you know conscious capitalism you want to call it might be a new thing like there was like a lurch to socialism you know i don't think it works uh, really capitalism you know that's how wealth is created and how things get done. You get more free speech. It's just what it is, right? Um, but I do think people are like, what the fuck is this guy making 15 million a year for? And then his he won't give his fucking guy making, you know, $12 an hour a raise. Or how is this guy worth a hundred billion and he's fucking got ankle monitors on his uh employees, right? Like it's all shareholder buyback. Yeah. Uh, so but look, at the end of the day, too, my shareholders, you know, are fucking you know, close personal friends, great people, like, you know, I got to get a return for them. So, you know, it's always a, uh, you know, a balancing act and, 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 you know, 
also, you know, sometimes I get caught up in my own battles. I'll admit, like, you know, hey, just because I want to do this, because I fucking, this is my issue. Well, there's 250 workers, I got to remember, and, you know, you know, 60 fucking shareholders, because they're all, you know, we're small before we got a little bit more institutional money. So that's, you know, a, a super tough thing to, uh, you know, to balance. But I said, I just said, we defund the fucking revolution. Let's change it, right? Like, let's, whatever it is, wherever we can change it, whatever we can do, um, you know, that's really, when I when we, when we do that, I'll fucking feel good. That's that's why. Like. <laughs> no, and I, I think there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of important points in there, and I, I think uh, looking at I don't know, there's some marketing trend that was uh, to your point of the youth care, like where they put their dollars, they care, and that that matters to them. And and I too would 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 echo that the materialism thing is starting to lose its appeal. Most of the people that are the most caught up in materialism and hype are you know are the people that don't have it right, and so when products are branded or marketed as something that's expensive, the, the main demographic that wants it has the lowest buying power, you know, and so it's kind of a, a business model. And you see a lot of times with the celebrity weed brands where, you know, cannabis is a low margin game, you put a celebrity in there that needs to make a chunk, well, you're gonna have to move crazy units, or you're gonna have to charge crazy prices. And the price is simply just so that person gets their cut. And it doesn't, you know, like you said, uh, sure, there's a lot of guys I love that might be known for smoking weed, but just because they're known for smoking weed, I know I don't think that product's going to be anything better than the next product, unless the bud tender's like, yo, this is, you know, this is the real deal. Like, it, fuck the face on it, fuck the price tag. Like, this is actually some real deal. Um, well, I've happens. had this conversation with brands, and some get it naturally, and some not as much. I'm like, yo, bro, you're the fucking OG. You've been growing weed since fucking whenever, and you grow the best weed. Like, just get out there and say that shit. That's more impressive than getting guy X or Y to, to, to say it. And I think the consumers, you know, want to know that story. Like, where'd this shit come from? You stand in there, grow. You know the guy's been around. He's fucking touching the plant. So, you know, and, and look, we, we have an opportunity now to endorse or whatever you want to call it, kind of partner, give them days, you know, a bunch of different brands. And we just, you know, I've always wanted to keep it really selective so we don't cheapen it. And, you know, we try to get, you know, only OGs, no corporate cheese dick, touch the plant and, you know, we're, are, 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 uh, you know, been in the game and, and, you know, kind of hit that, check all the boxes uh, versus like some land ass shit that came from, you know, wherever that, you know, they're just trying to hit the fucking, uh, you know, best margin or race to the bottom or, or whatever. Cause there's actually super affordable cannabis that's fucking really, really, really uh, good. That's growing with care and these guys have been around, you know, for a long time. That's who I want to get um, down with. And, you know, like I, I said it today, it fucking breaks my heart that like, uh, and, you know, and our purchasers always laugh and he's like, cause I'm trying, Hey, well, we get this guy on, can we get this guy? And there's only so many people you can carry and they, you know, they, they line up and they DM and um, you know, it's just sad to see uh, you know, people that are artists that have grown this plant, you know, for three or four generations, Emerald Triangle. I think a lot of them this year was, will be their last year. I mean, how can you make money at three hundred dollars a pound? You know, it's it's it's, uh, it, it, it's a terrible thing. Um, and then you know, those guys got to you know, even the ones that are surviving, they're fucking back doing packs. Like that's just, and I'm not, don't fucking a do it, right? So yeah, I don't know if we could stop that anyway. Like, does it all consolidate and like capitalism take over anyway? I you know, possibly, probably. Um, but you know, fuck it. As long as we can. Like, I know I'm going to die too, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to fucking, uh, you know, fight all the way, you know, to my last breath to, you know, try to make the change we can. But I would like to see the brands that make it 
uh, you know, at least some of the ones that make it through be the original ones and not just, you know, stomped out and, and corporatized and, and, you know, and, and whatever, especially with, you know, cannabis prohibition was a different thing because there wasn't such a culture behind it and it was only illegal for a few uh, years. Right. So just, you know, like, what are they going to do up in Humboldt uh, and, you know, other areas of the Emerald Triangle if most of those growers are no longer around? Like, what's going to happen up there? It's going to be, you know, that's been the economy, you know, going back to the 70s and 80s. So, um, I mean, these are really, you know, tough things. So I think the only solution to that one is to cap the growing permits, but maybe the cat's out of the bag and I don't think the state's going to, uh, you know, do that. So I think if they cap the growing permits today, lower the excise tax to 5%, you know, we're going to continue writing initiatives up and down the state. So eventually the retail bottleneck will get resolved, whether it's us or, you know, just slowly. Uh, those three things would be, would keep the small farmer uh, in business. And originally when they wrote Prop 64, it was supposed to be have written for the small farmer, but they let you get unlimited tier B licenses and the rest is, uh, history. So that's, you know, it's too bad that I do think, uh, you know, a lot of them are are not going to make it, but it'd be cool if, you know, a good handful or a chunk of them make it. And, and, and that's, you know, it makes us happy to be able to, to, you know, to do that and try to find brands that we're aligned with and help them, uh, you know, survive and and thrive. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, I honestly couldn't agree more to that, to that last point. And there's, I don't know, there's so much room. We got a lot of progress to go. Some of it's not going to be, you know, the progress that a lot of us want to see, but you know, there, like you said, there, you said the word inevitable, there's definitely some ev- inevitabilities that are coming along um, in this industry that some people aren't going to like, but you know, people like yourself that are continue to push the narrative and, and provide education and, and use your platform to, to spread the, the good word and, and to get people thinking and to push change. I think that type of stuff, you know, the ad, advocacy is really, that's how we got to legalization. The community and the ag, advocacy is how we got to this point. And if we keep that element alive, then, you know, at least a portion of this industry will be in good hands because, you know, Lord knows corporate's going to grab up some of it and, and it will not be in the best of hands in a lot of places, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's important for a lot of us to, to keep pushing that line and, and keeping the culture alive. Yeah. I mean, look, I say too, like people have asked, well, isn't it all going to be corporate? I go, well, well one, one fucking thing I know for sure is, you know, whether it all gets corporatized or not, like the, the, the meals that we've given out and the toys that we've given out and the, uh, you know, the outreach that we've done and, you know, backpacks for school and, you know, helping the, uh, the immigrant children that were displaced and, you know, making social equity, whether they end up cashing out, or whatever and maybe we created some generation wealth like you can never take that away right so no matter where it ends like the, the stuff we do today those are permanent acts of kindness that I, I think live on and and uh you know it will be interesting in 20 or 30 years uh you know they'll probably write a couple movies about this or whatever right this is like the time i'm very cognitive of like and i've even thought like you know we, i can't have a guy follow me around all day and some stuff you can't have out there Oh, and I'm like, dude, we should just put like one camera. We'll catch it for the day. We'll document it, right? And then we won't like put it out there. We'll we'll just keep getting the footage. Maybe one in my car, one in my office, because there's like really interesting conversations that like maybe wouldn't went out there, or they're like arguments with a landlord, or like you're battling somebody in litigation, and then like you know, kind of like stockpiling that footage, and you know, maybe we just 
fucking don't make it and it's not interesting. But if if you are one of the ones that make it, I do think there's going to be, you know, stories told about it. Not that it's the same thing, but like, you know, narcos have become super popular now. Right. Like those were all empires that were built, uh, you know, a little bit different, a little more hectic and uh, <laughs> more violence and sexy or whatever. But, uh, you know, they're making movies about the 80s now. Um, and that's all historical stuff that is, you know, happened. I think this will be, uh, you know, similar. So we're in the middle of it now, which is really exciting. And in cannabis, like you can't fucking predict. You got to be nimble. The ground shifts on a daily fucking basis, right? And you know, I always say like the 2018 me would get smushed by the 2021 me, and the 2016 me, I fucking stab that dude in the neck, right? So like. I'm always, and it's funny, like people will think like, oh, and I see them hiring the guys from Urban Outfitters and, and wherever. And like, <laughs> if you don't have any industry knowledge, uh, it's good to have both, I think, but there's just certain unique things. Uh, and I had to go through it too, right? Like I have fucking very minimal uh, retail cannabis, you know, I didn't know shit, right? Um, so you just, it's unique. It keeps moving, you know, when you're in it and that's how you're, you're learning but the fun thing is i i fucking have no clue what's going to happen next year i have a plan but i know that's not going to work out mm. how i thought think right and then in you know two or three years there's no fucking way you could predict it you go 20 years forward in cannabis and you know what right. you know and i assume i assume it consolidates right Shit, there's a big deal today urban leaf harborside mm -hmm. and uh loud pack all got together right so i think these things it is is what's gonna uh you know happen and you know i guess you know i'm a half full kind of guy i hate the fucking california system but our one advantage is nobody from out of state can fucking play here because mm -hmm. they're not used to this fucked up ass shit super competitive there's a huge illicit market it's high tax it's fucking local control it's fucking impossible well, the good thing for us is we're small funded company like we could kind of run around we know the game in california and we're organically grown so i don't see any of the out-of-state guys being able to come in to California anytime soon without buying their way in. And the footprints aren't big enough uh, yet. And then when they buy, will they use lose their street credit? And then on the flower side, yes, I don't think this, uh, you'll ever be able to cross state lines because I don't think it's like an Illinois' interest or Michigan's interest or Florida's interest to open it up to California weed because those people are going to want to protect their licenses. But I do think the brands will start setting up shop slowly yeah. and you know there's not going to be a lot of people buying anything but california weed there might be a few exceptions that, that that make it and some local standouts but i think little by little california is going to travel east i'm not saying it's fair i'm sure people fucking grow great weed in uh other states but is a just a birthright i think it's very hard for cannabis that's going to be grown in new york like some brand that's built in New York to ever make it in in uh, California or any other you know state for that matter, even if the, the the earlier movers. I don't know if it's fair or not, um, but you know it's going to be interesting to watch that take place. I do think the California brands they'll set up the grows in Pennsylvania and Michigan, and it's starting to happen in Florida. And, and um, you know once the California thing kind of gets settled, so I think that will be a an interesting part of it. But I don't think California gets settled. You know at least as far as licensing on the retail end you know five eight ten years and then even then there's probably a consolidation game that happens so i think it's a long ways from really here uh you know working its 
itself out. And, you know, I think one of two things happen. You get gobbled or you gobble up. So I'm yeah. trying to do everything I can. I don't want to fucking sell this shit. I do not want to be one of the ones that got gobbled up. I don't give a fuck how much money it is, right? Um, that doesn't drive me. Like, this is what I do for fun. I hope my wife's not still listening. But, like, the idea of uh, sitting on a fucking beach drinking something fruity for the next fucking 20 or 30 years doesn't, like, that's not fun. This shit is fun, right? Don't worry, baby. We're slow down. We'll take more vacations and shit. But, like, I always want to be involved in keeping Catalyst going and keeping the name going. And, you know, I'm really cognitive of rushing this footprint now so when the end game comes or the game kind of changes into a different little thing and the licensing grab is over because the licensing grab on the retail is probably second, third inning, you know, tops, right? Uh, you know, you look at LA, it's fucking 100 cities, fucking eight, eight, 90 left, 80 left. Orange County, 34, two more are opening, but only three really going. IE, I could go on and on. So, you know, positioning yourself to be able to play in that game uh, is important and you're going to have to make allies and, you know, people that you like, uh, people that you trust that trust you and alliances and consolidations and mergers, uh, you know, are going to, are going to happen, but they have to make sense, um, you know, in order, in order to work for anybody, everybody. So like, I, you know, playing the prediction game in cannabis, like we're pretty fucking sure what's going to happen over the next 10 years in alcohol. It's not going to change that much. Like I don't think Budweiser is going to go down the chitter. Right. But, uh, I do think that, you know, there'll be a lot of cannabis companies that rise and fall. There'll be some that come out of fucking nowhere that we're not even mm. talking about today, right? Uh, you know, when I first started, uh, you know, really kind of trying to build this thing, MedMen was the big deal. So they got a billion dollar uh, valuation. And I wrote a little thing on my thing. I put beat MedMen. One of my kids finally ripped it down, but I had it up taped up on my little desk. And I was like, I'm going to chase them down. I didn't think it happened how it happened. I thought I'd like catch them like 10 years later. I didn't think they'd, uh, you know, half implode. Uh, but, you know, uh, it, it, that, that's why you can't, uh, you know, predict what's going to happen. And there could be somebody that's lying quiet today that's not even in the conversation that, that rises, you know, out of nowhere. But I do think the True Leaves, the Cure Leaves, the Crescos, some of the Canadian companies, they're going to be shopping for footprints uh, in California. And, you know, my objective is not to, uh, you know, ever sell, right? I, you know, I want to get a stock so it's liquidatable, so the early fucking investors could, could, could get out and, you know, fuck every ten. I know, I like, I'm almost 44 now. I was 34, 24. I'm a different person, so maybe I'm 54. I'll have a different take on it. But you know, I really, you know, extract a lot of my, uh, you know, th this is all I do. This and my family. Mm -hmm. That's it, right? So, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm interested to see how it plays out, you know, what happens. And I don't give a fuck who you are, how deep you are in the industry. Like, it's really hard to predict, you know, on any real timeline where this thing's going to kind of wind up uh, before it hits kind of a, a, a stable point. It's probably 20 years away, but at least five or 10 years from like having clear people really uh, emerge. Absolutely. Yeah. We don't, we don't know what, what tomorrow holds in this market. Um, not at all, man. And, and, uh, you know, I think I think on that note, I'm going to I'm going to start moving us up out of here, man. I really appreciate your time today, Elliot. And for people out there, you guys can check Elliot out on, on LinkedIn. Elliot Lewis, definitely search him, CEO of Catalyst. Look at his content on there. Catalyst-cannabis.com is the website. You can find the nine locations, more locations coming online over the course of this year. Next year, uh, we look I, I really look forward to watching the growth, continuing watching the content. 
And uh, man, I, I got to we, we got to stay in touch, man. I, let, let us know if there's anything we can highlight or, or elevate through the platform. No, for sure. And I just want to say it's the most humbling thing in the world when, you know, somebody reaches out to have you do their podcast or whatever. Like, honestly, just uh, super humbled. It, 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 it means the world to me. It really like touches my heart uh, that, that, you know, somebody even wants to to, to hear me talk. So I, I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, uh, all your sentiments on the show and, and everything. So, uh, you know, thanks so much for having me on from the, from the bottom of my heart. Well, for sure, uh, be in touch. And uh, again, thanks so much. No doubt, Elliot. Appreciate you. This is North American Weed Tour Podcast, episode 62. We'll be at you guys soon.